0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Hummus Tailgate Party. I am your host, Thomas Jackson. On today's national championship edition of Hummus Tailgate Party, I have my very good friend, Matt Speakman, on to preview the Alabama versus Georgia game. Uh, Matt's been one of my best friends ever since high school. We went to Huntsville High and the University of Alabama together. So, fair warning, this will not be a totally unbiased podcast as we are both... Pretty big Bama fans and are kind of checking the no bias thing at the door, Uh, but Matt worked for the Tuscaloosa News and TideSports.com during his time in Tuscaloosa, covering Alabama football, among other sports. He was a sports reporter for the Decatur Daily uh, after he graduated from Alabama, and now he's back in school at UAH studying computer science. In his free time, Matt loves just about all sports. Uh, music and movies, especially of the Michael Bay variety, so I really appreciate Matt taking the time to come on and talk about the game. Quickly, we recorded this on Wednesday night, uh, January 5th, where things currently stand. Georgia is a three-point favorite, that line moving up from two and a half when it initially opened. The over-under is 52, and of course the game will be played in Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, Indiana at 8 o'clock Eastern on Monday, January 10th. So here is Matt. Everybody enjoy.
1: Thomas Jackson,
0: beautiful podcast from Denver.
1: Yeah, for the Phoenix one, I had like a row 18 student ticket for that one. And my ticket was like, I want to say like $550 or something. I probably could have offloaded it for a bunch more than that. But yeah. I was like 18 Yeah, rows from the end zone. And that was pretty crazy. I don't remember. I've been to two. I think I've been to. Well, I've been to three of them. Three. I've been to two as a fan and one. No, I've been to four. Because I've been to two as a fan and two as a reporter. Um, Were you at the. I won't. Clemson went, when we lost the first time. I went to three in a Georgia
0: as a reporter?
1: I Yeah, so I went to three. Yeah, three in a row. So I went to the first Alabama Clemson as a fan, and then I went to Alabama Clemson and Tampa as a reporter, and then Georgia as a reporter. And then the other one that I went to, I went to LS, the LSU game.
0: Oh, okay. I've forgotten that you went to that one. Yeah, me and my dad went to the Rose Bowl in 09. And that's the only one that I've been to. So I'm kind of... My dad's been to all of
1: them except for last year. And he's not going this year. Yeah. Because he went to the California one. I Which, yeah, that kind of broke his
0: spirit. That's the one... I mean, I wouldn't say that I was close to going to that. Just because I was still in college and it was so expensive. Mm -hmm. And, like, my family wasn't going. So I would have had to do it on my own dime. So, like, I was... I really wanted to go because that was my senior year. And I felt really bad for all my friends who were like seniors that paid like God knows how much money to get out to San Francisco over the holidays and like watch that ass kicking. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but, yeah. I was I'm definitely pretty pissed that the game was there that year. I was, which next year it's in LA, um, yeah, which I see... guess they are kind of running out of places to put it in. Like, but the one in, San Francisco it's like i mean who's going to that like it's yeah, not close that trip? to anything.
0: and plus that everyone said that stadium just like sucked it's like an hour outside of mm. actual San Francisco and it just it seemed like very like corporate and sterile feeling and everything
1: and plus that game it sounded like yeah the, the game was terrible <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> like
1: even just from an objective well, I'm sure a lot of people enjoyed it, but yeah, <laughs> like as far as like an excite from an excitement standpoint, it was just I mean they kind of just kicked our ass the whole time. Yeah, so yeah.
0: Well, um, getting into this game on Monday, um, I was surprised to see that we were betting underdogs again. Mm-hmm. Against Georgia. This is only the third time, I think, since the SEC championship game in 2008, when they came back and beat us, when Florida came back and beat us with Tebow. This is only the third time we've been a betting underdog, and all three have been against Georgia, which, yeah. given that we played like so recently, surprised me to see we're like a field goal dog in this one. Um, so I was thinking about that and it kind of led me to believe that Vegas, they're smart. They obviously know what they're doing, um, but they, you know, they're probably coming to the conclusion that we played at our ceiling in Atlanta a month ago and Georgia mm-hmm. probably played pretty close to their floor. So as an Alabama fan on a scale from one to 10, just, like, how honored are you to be able to share the field with this elite
1: Georgia team again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I can see, like, I can see the thought process behind Alabama being um, an underdog in this game because, um, like, just because I guess they're taking their past results into account, like Sands, Georgia, um, I guess that's the way the money's moving, too, um, is they – it must be that enough people feel confident in Georgia that the line's sticking there, too. I I truly actually don't think that Alabama played their best game in that SEC championship, which is crazy to say. But there was a about a 13 or 14, maybe less than that, maybe like nine-minute stretch, where Alabama, like, could not move the ball, like, at all in the third quarter. And they, I mean, they went three and out, I think, a million times in a row. Um, But the difference between that was uh, their defense played super well in that game, um, as I think it's played all year except for Texas A&M. And it's also been a constant, like, push and pull for Alabama of the two units not hitting at the same time. We saw a little bit of that in the first half of the Georgia game where Alabama was getting, not only getting stops, but when they got the ball back that they were scoring. In second quarter, um, Yeah. And, but they have done that both sides of the ball in those important situations that have been done a good job of kind of bailing the other one out. So the one that I mentioned, the stretch that I mentioned where they couldn't move the ball and they weren't taking time off the clock either, which is textbook. Like, that's how you add a team back in the game is you don't get, I mean, one first down at least isn't important because that's another minute off the clock. So if you get the ball for three downs, you can't move the ball. And in Bill O'Brien's case hates running the ball, obviously, as we've seen, except for in the Cincinnati game, um, they're not taking any time off the clock because they're throwing incomplete passes. But then, you know, I kept saying that whole game, even though they were up, that they needed to score one more time basically to put it away. So like I said, the, the, the units haven't been firing on all cylinders at the same time except for maybe like a 12-minute stretch in that game. Um, so when the offense went down, then Alabama forces a turnover and scores on defense, which, I mean, when you play in a game like that, you score on defense. That is, I mean, there's not a lot of things – in football that is more both demoralizing to the opponent that you're playing and more of a motivational aspect for your team than forcing a score like that. That's not supposed to happen. So when you're on the field, you know, traditional defense, you're getting them off the field, obviously. You're not expecting to score. When you're off offense, even if you hit big plays, Alabama's expected to hit at least one or two big plays for a touchdown, I would say, a game, which I think they've done in every single game this year, even all, even the Auburn game and even the LSU game. They had big plays that have going for touchdowns. But no team ever, I don't think, expects to score on defense. So that's just such a momentum shift. And that really, really like change the end of that game and to kind of circle back to my point is that's a really good indication of why this team specifically, despite all their struggles is in the national championship to begin with is because when one of the units is not hitting, the other one has been bailing them out with big plays. And we have not, I don't think we've really seen except for that little stretch, the, the ceiling or the true potential of this team, which is crazy to say because they're in the national championship. And I also don't think we have seen the true uh, ceiling for Georgia either yet, maybe against Michigan. Um, but they you still kind of feel when you're watching Georgia, especially on offense, that there's just something like that they could be doing a little better. And I feel like I felt that about them a lot in the past too, especially they—they've made the national championship and played us. There's always going to be the question mark of, like, if they lose this game on Monday, there's always going to be the lingering question mark of if they made the right decision at quarterback. Mm -hmm. Um, Because they played so well throwing the ball with a different quarterback at the end of the year last year. So, yeah, I think this is a really interesting game. Not to ramble, but what you said, even though they've already played, I'm not sure we saw either of those teams' best game. We definitely, I mean... If that's Georgia's best game, then that's rough for them. And Alabama played really well, but they also did – they could have done a lot of things better, like I said. It's about them – I think we truly saw it in the national championship last year where the defense and the offense were hitting both at the same time. And I felt like that was one of the first times all year for that team too that that had happened because the defense had a lot of struggles. Obviously, the the, the offense last year was going to score every time they touched the ball. But. Yeah,
0: the defense took a long time to come around, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know what you mean. I mean, Alabama, we played our best quarter of the year mm-hmm. in that second quarter when we – I think Georgia scored – I don't remember if it was a touchdown or a field goal, but they scored to go up 10-0. There like the very beginning of the second quarter, then Alabama mm-hmm. scored like 24 on un- unanswered. And then right out of halftime, there was the bomb to Jameson, which made it 31 mm-hmm. unanswered. And it felt like we were just going to run away with it. But then, like you said, we just started getting three and outs, passing the ball all three times, mm-hmm. which I was griping about that. <clears throat> To some of my other buddies um during the cincinnati game it's like we were running it so well mm-hmm. and then we would get a first down and pass the ball three times and sure enough not convert and it's like i don't care what the down and distance is like when we're running the ball that well or even when we're not getting six or seven yards of carry just you know passing it three straight times when you're trying to protect a lead and going three and out and not taking any time off the clock is infuriating but that's our that's our guy at offensive coordinator this year Mm -hmm. but I've been thinking a lot and hearing a lot just about the Alabama offensive line versus the Georgia defensive line because that was the big discussion going into the SEC championship game Mm -hmm. after they got whooped by Auburn's defensive front and had struggled you know against the better competition they'd played all year in teams like LSU and A&M really, really uh, bothered them a lot. But, I mean, it's hard to imagine Georgia's front doesn't get a sack like, like what mm-hmm. happened last time. I can't imagine it going that well for Bama again. So, I guess just what do you think about that matchup the second time around? Because this Alabama offensive line has just been kind of Jekyll and Hyde all season long and I know the Georgia defense will probably be trying to throw some more complicated looks and they've definitely got a chip on their shoulder after getting pretty much you know evened out in Atlanta Mm -hmm.
1: that's a thing that I think should worry Alabama fans about playing Georgia for a second time it's because I think going into the SEC championship Georgia thought that they could, because of Alabama's play, offensive line play against um, specifically Auburn, because that was really the worst of it. I mean, that's the worst that they've looked all year Mm. was against Auburn. Um, And I think that that this should worry Alabama fans going into this game, because I think going into the SEC championship, Georgia Kirby Smart watched the way Alabama played against Auburn and said and because of the way Georgia's defensive play all year I think that they thought that they could play rush four and play and drop seven into coverage every play and they would get home just rushing four um I don't think that that's necessarily what gives Alabama I don't think Alabama's like offensive line play is necessarily a product of their guys, just not being necessarily good blockers. I don't think this unit at all, all year has played well together. And I don't think that they've had very good communication. So you've seen in past games, like when Alabama's played a lot of teams, particularly Texas A&M, because I mean, that's the game you've got to look at in the Auburn game is they're dialing up, you know, six seven man pressures in certain situations our offensive line doesn't communicate very well These gaping holes open up and Bryce has no time despite how athletic he is so I think Georgia didn't really do a lot of that and obviously they played Alabama just played super well um but they they rushed four or so you know, so many times in the first half against Alabama thinking that they could just get home. And this isn't like, uh, I mean, you're people. I mean, Roman Harper got killed for saying this, but this Georgia defensive line is not a, a pass rushing defensive line. Um, they don't have like a lot of guys. They don't have Will Anderson, On their line. They had a guy, Adam Anderson, who's going through some legal issues right now, who was a good edge rusher. I think he led the team in sacks or was second, but they don't have a guy like Dallas Turner or Will Anderson that's a true lean, quick pass rusher. And in Will Anderson's case, I mean, he is just unbelievable rushing the passer and against the run, obviously. But this, this, they've got a lot of big bodies. They've got a lot of guys. I mean, their interior guys are pretty good at rushing the passer for interior guys, but they they definitely need – I mean, as good as this – it it's crazy to say about this Georgia defense because they have been incredible all year, obviously. But sometimes when you do play like a big line like Alabama's, and even if Georgia's playing teams all year, Alabama, the way their offense is set up is their line's going to be good at pass blocking. Particularly because of the style that they've been playing, and I think it's kind of—it was tough for Georgia to get home rushing four, and I think they thought they could do that because of how bad we played on the line, or Alabama played on the line in the Auburn game. Um, and then I think later in the game, Georgia kind of woke up and said, "Oh, we need to bring pressure more," and we had trouble with it in the second half, picking that's when up they their blitzes. All the stops. Yeah, that's they—they they were picking up. So I think it should worry Alabama fans from an offensive standpoint and from an offensive line standpoint that Georgia watched that game and said, okay, we may have the best run-stopping defensive line in the country, and we may have some of the best just true traditional defensive linemen, but we are going to have to simulate pressure in some way. We're going to have to overload blitz and get you know people home more than just our defensive line or else they're going to I mean Bryce is he's he's too good of a quarterback to have that much time. Um, if you give him that much time something's going to happen. Like he's going to make something happen. And that's what happens in the Georgia game a lot. Um, was they gave him enough time by only rushing four and Alabama was really smart and went tempo and would leave a guy like Jordan Davis who obviously is, you know, um unstoppable almost against the run but when you force him to play his fourth down of a series fifth down of a series sixth down of a series and he's rushing the passer i mean that's exactly how you take a guy like that out of the game so and you saw you saw his fatigue later yeah the the worry for alabama is that georgia comes out and they're gonna say you know pardon my language but fuck it we're blitzing we're bringing nolan smith we're blitzing nicobe dean and we're gonna make them get the ball out quick and beat us and that should worry alabama fans too because o'brien does not know how to beat a seven-man blitz right now like i i can't even remember the last time they a team blitzed us like that and we you know if you did that to the to Alabama teams last year or two years ago I mean it's a touchdown for Alabama but this you know, year something's going wrong from a play calling standpoint where or from a communication along the line standpoint and this probably has something to do with switching out centers to is that they don't really know how to beat a blitz and it's crazy to have that kind of a critique about a team in the national championship which I know like that's gonna annoy the shit out of people but <laughs> that but that is their biggest problem i mean their biggest problem is blocking blitzes that is the reason why alabama has struggled this year on offense i think
0: well and i like everybody was really worried about the matchup between georgia's line and Mm -hmm. our offensive line going into the sec championship game so i didn't know how we would be able to run the ball which I mean, we had like one and a half scholarship running backs on the roster for that game. So it wasn't like a totally fair assessment. But we did a little bit, but not Mm -hmm. a lot. But, um, you know, I was expecting us to. um, uh, Can you still hear me? Yeah, I got you. Zoom was being weird on me. Um, I was expecting us to do a lot of quick passes just to try to get the ball out of his hands you know, fast and try to mitigate the pressure that I assumed they would be getting on us. And I thought we did a decent job at that at the beginning of the game before our offense like really settled in mm-hmm. and um, got a more balanced attack there in the second quarter. Um, but you know, assuming Georgia will be bringing more pressure and we're not going to have as much time to make decisions when we're passing the ball, Um, Of course, you know, you can't overstate how big Mechie being out of this game is and, you know, not to be annoying about the 13 and one number one team in the national championship, but Alabama's receiving core compared to last previous years, even with Mechie is Mm -hmm. pretty thin because, you know, we would go basically four deep at wide receiver for the past several years that were all first rounders. And this year it Mm -hmm. was. Williams, who I don't think anyone expected him to be this good, even though, you know, we were excited about him coming in and obviously Mechie. Uh, but after that, there's a huge drop off to Slade and, you know, with Jojo Earl getting hurt earlier in the season um You know, he didn't really fill that third gap like a lot of people were hoping and expecting. And then there's, you know, so obvious talent with the younger wide receivers on the roster. They're just pretty raw. So Mm -hmm. outside of Williams, who, you know, they'll be focusing on in the secondary and he'll get his, you know, one or two big plays probably. But who do you expect to be kind of the next guy who might step up and have a big game? whether it be one of the tight ends who have just been, you know, really disappointing all season or one of the young wide receivers in Earl or Holden or Brooks or your personal favorite Slade Bolden, you know, maybe he has a big game. What do you, who do you see kind of being the, the one, two punch
1: with Jamo there? Um, I think it's really hard to say the biggest thing that they lose with Mechie, I think is they lose their intermediate killer. Jameson Williams is pure big play i mean he's pure big play cincinnati he showed a little bit more of a consistent i can get the eight yard 10 yard 12 yard catches but mechie i mean that's where he thrived i think all year was he was the combination always the guy on that like third and eight you need mm-hmm, a guy I and mean, he'll mm-hmm. he'll find it it's the, the combination of toast to those two things which is Jameson williams's big play and he's the intermediate killer he's the 12 like you said 12 yards 15 yards makes a tough catch. So that's really what they're missing is a consistent go-to guy that Jameson can feed off of. Um, I think, I mean, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, but in the Cincinnati game, Slade showed a little bit of that. I thought he, I mean, he found space. He caught the ball and he had a couple plays in the Georgia game too, that were really big first downs. Um, he, I mean, the way that I've seen the other guys come into the game and not do much, it makes more sense to me now that we're sitting here five days before the last game of the season, why he's played so much, um, because he does get open a little more than I've seen some of those other guys. Um, the The Florida drop is still unforgivable, yeah. <laughs> but he he, I think has a little bit of that like consistent if you need like a third down i'll somehow sort of get open i guess but it's not but it's not like mechie though where he's doing it you know 10 11 12 times a game like he is or six or seven it's three or four the 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 younger guys though have outside of brooks who obviously is a hero <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and made a big play in the Cincinnati game. But the other guys like Jojo uh, Earl um, and especially the freshman guys, I think we have this great expectation because of the the three or the three or four first rounders that we had, that those guys are just going to be automatically ready to play once they get there. So I guess you kind of have to step back and be like, okay, I'm disappointed in the way a Jai Hall can't get on the field. I'm disappointed in the way JoJo Earl is battling injuries, or even when he's in the game, it doesn't seem like he's making that big of an impact. Um, but you have to step back and be like, oh, they're freshmen, kind of. I think it's been really odd to see Trace. I think Trayshawn Holden is really the the best, like, or the guy who I've been like, this guy. If he gets more targets will play well like he will get open he's fast he runs pretty good routes there's something going on with him though I think I mean because he doesn't play as much as I thought he would because I thought he would be in more in the Cincinnati game I was kind of expecting him to get I don't even think I saw him out there a single time I don't either and I figured him and Brooks would be splitting time some you know but yeah I mean it seems like they've got their three like they're going Williams Brooks Slade It would be nice to see Brooks and Slade sort of like, you know, in Moneyball, how they're like, we can't get Jason Giambi back, but -hmm. we can get three or four guys that can get on base a combined amount of times to make up for Jason Giambi. It would be cool to see Ja'Cory Brooks and Slade combine to fill in that intermediate role. Because, I mean, if those two guys can get 5 catches each, 4 catches each that go for, you know, 50 60 yards. I mean, that's just huge mm-hmm. for Alabama. I mean, it's just huge cuz in that, I mean, you can you can this whole focusing in on Jameson Williams to me is a total farce cuz it's like every single touchdown he scores, it's like they're focusing in on him. He's just faster than them. Yeah. I mean, his touchdown against Georgia, the second one, He's bracketed, and he still just blows by the guy and scores. There's it's an like Arkansas Devontae play. Smith last year. Like once Waddle yeah. went down, it's like,
0: oh no, now they're going to be able to like devote all this more attention mm-hmm. and personnel to Smith now that they're not having to split with Waddle. And it's like, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're yeah. that good. So
1: <laughs> it doesn't matter from a deep throw standpoint because if he, if the scheme is there, like if the play works out the way Alabama wants it to he is going to get open deep. Like if they see the coverage that they like and they run the right play to counter that coverage, then you can't you can't just put two guys on him without interfering with him because he's too fast. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing with him, though, that is like is different is that, you know, that's his game. Um, Cincinnati showed a little bit more versatility, I think, as far as like, the 12, 15 yard catches. And he's done that in some games in the past, but Mechie was just so consistently open and there for big conversions, big plays, even first and 10 when they're just trying to, to get eight yards, nine yards. That's That's really what they're trying to replace. And it looks like that they think that Brooks and Bolden can do that together in some way. They do also need to do a better job of, like you said, with the horizontal game, especially against Georgia. So I think like Jameson Williams, they don't really do like a ton to just get the ball in his hands that much. If you've noticed that, like, yeah. they don't do a lot. Like they used to like coop Mari Cooper is the prime example. I mean, he was base. I mean, he was basically a running back that year, um, So it'll be interesting to see, like circling back to your question, I would expect it to be Brooks and Slade Bolden, but it's also the national championship. So if you're going to break glass in case of emergency, which Alabama does all the time in the national championship, we could see one of the, they could just throw a Jai Hall out there and he goes, gets six catches for 80 yards. Turns into
0: like, yeah, the Devontae Smith from 2017. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. And you're right. I just have like, I feel like all Alabama fans probably have like just too big of expectations because mm-hmm. of the things we've seen, you know, in games like that. And I think Najee even came in and was playing some like yeah. pretty Alex crucial too. minutes there at the end of that game. And it's like, you know, and Tua was a freshman that year too. So you know, you just never know. And you know, Brooks stepped up in the most dire moment of the season for us mm-hmm. so far. And he is a freshman
1: writer. He is sophomore. Yeah, he's a freshman, and he was the highly highest rated guy out of all three of them. I think.
0: Yeah, I know he was a he was a five star. Um, or there's four of them, I guess, but Florida, he was the I highest think. one. But um, yeah. Well, my dog's like choking something. Up. Okay. She's a Georgia fan, so she might not like hear what she's hearing about all this yeah. 2017 talk. Um, <laughs> but <clears throat> to hit on Georgia's offense a little bit now. Um, I really didn't watch much of the Georgia-Michigan game just because there wasn't
1: much to watch.
0: <laughs> by the, I watched like the first quarter and then I like Ubered home from the Alabama bar. And then by that point it was all it was like a three-score game, so I didn't really pay much attention to it, but I assume Pickens is going to be, you know, in better shape than he was a month Mm -hmm. ago when we played him. Cause I was really scared when he made that amazing catch down on the sidelines, like in the first quarter. And then Mm -hmm. after that, you like barely saw him again, like maybe only a handful of plays. Um, But mostly thinking about the quarterback, of course, The, you know, more time we have to preview the game and the closer we get with Georgia's current, you know, even it is still crazy to say, like, kind of controversial quarterback situation they have, even as this dominant of a team about to play for the national championship. But, I mean, I I think everyone expects Bennett to play the whole game unless Mm -hmm. maybe it goes like last time. And like, I don't know, is there any scenario or like how bad do you think it would have to get for them to pull Bennett for JT Daniels and try to do like a reverse Jinx Jalen Tua thing on
1: us? I don't know. I, I really I don't know if I have the answer to that question because what Alabama did in that national championship is quite literally one of the most unexpected things. I think, of our college football lifetimes from a coaching decision. Mm -hmm. Um, And Kirby is so much like Saban in the way that he handles things. But I think that the thing that Kirby is missing from the way he coaches that Saban has is Saban will just say in those games, like, fuck it, we're doing this. Like, one kick against Clemson. Yeah, yeah, we're throwing it to OJ Howard like, like that kind of stuff. I think he misses, he so far, obviously, you know, he's extremely early on in his career in the grand scheme of things. And that may be something he picks up later with experience because people forget, I mean, he's been a coach for a head coach for like five or six years. So um, that may be something he picks up later on. So I don't know if he has that sort of like Let's do this, like let's just throw him out there, um, sort of thing. And from the Sets and Bennett standpoint, the thing about him that is different, I think, from the Jalen Tua situation, is it was blaringly obvious in that Georgia-Alabama national championship that the reason why Georgia was winning the game was because they knew we couldn't throw the ball. And they knew we couldn't throw the ball because of who our quarterback was, a young, run-oriented quarterback who didn't necessarily have the raw passing skills that the guy behind him had. Um, And Jalen obviously has become, I think, a really, really good passing quarterback. Um, I mean, he's he's the starting quarterback in the NFL. You have to be able to throw the ball. Yeah, and they just clinched the playoff spot too. Yeah, um, but I think what's different about this Georgia team is that Stetson, to me, in the Alabama-Georgia game this year and the Alabama-Georgia game last year was not the reason why they started falling behind, but he was the reason why they couldn't catch up, in my opinion. He, it, the reason why they, could, they fell behind in the other game was because they couldn't stop us on offense throwing the ball and we stopped the run and even though he he is, has some tools throwing the ball that are good i mean he can throw certain throws really well but when he starts falling behind like that and he's getting pressured and it's a size thing and it's just he's the reason why in both like i said both Alabama and Georgia games the last 2 years that he's played in that they couldn't get back in the game because Georgia has been so used to being able to run the ball that if Alabama sells out in the run, they say, hey, we're going to make you throw it to Brock Bowers 800 times, or we're going to make you throw it to George Pickens. They could, Georgia has the capability of doing that, but if they start falling behind, it's tough for them with him at quarterback, I think, to climb back into the game. So I think it's a weird situation to look at because when you're looking at the way he played in the Alabama-Georgia game the first time, or even last year, he's not playing necessarily poorly. Like he's playing fine and like he's not making blaring mistakes and he's making enough plays to where they feel confident to keep him in at quarterback. But where it really starts, where he really starts fucking it up is when they're behind and Alabama's getting pressure on him. Cause the, I mean, if you look at it, the the game in the SEC championship and the game last year are basically the same game. I they mean we're pretty similar. They're, they're like they're basically the same game. They even had the same final score, I'm pretty sure. Oh, I didn't really but saw. he got especially from the way Georgia played, it's pretty pretty similar in the sense that they got behind and he made two two bad one bad decision. And then another one that was a bad throw that was tipped. And then in the game this year, he makes two bad decisions. You know, he throws the one that Helms picked off. And then the second interception, he doesn't see Battle come down on a robber coverage instead of dropping deep. And it goes for six, obviously. Well, so Battle I think really
0: should have had two pick sixes because I think yeah. it was the
1: very first drive. Mm-hmm. He just dropped one where he
0: could have walked into the end zone. But yeah, yeah. sorry.
1: No, I just think it's different from this, the, the, like, standpoint of a couple years ago, like you were saying, is that, like, it was so obvious in that game that Alabama wasn't moving the ball in offense because they couldn't throw it. I think Stetson can throw it well enough to where they feel confident to keep them in the game kind of no matter what, even if they're not scoring rapidly. Um, like, a team like that should um well maybe not but that's what's different about it is it's not like every single drive it's not like god he just can't get it done he just can't get it done he just can't get it done we need to make a switch it's like the whole controversy to me for their quarterback position is yeah we're good with him on offense when he's playing but this is what we could be if we had bryce young if we had you know, Justin Fields, someone like that. Um, But like, that's the difference. And I think that's a, that's kind of a microcosm of what college football is now, which is you either have an elite quarterback or you get beat by one. (laughs) Yeah. Basically In Alabama, the last two years, at least the reason why they won it last year is because they had an elite quarterback and he had some pretty good guys to throw to, too. obviously, but he was an elite college quarterback. And the guy that they have playing quarterback right now is an elite college quarterback in every sense of the word, despite maybe, you know, he's had what, like three bad quarters all year. Yeah. And then that's it. The difference with him is, you know, maybe he's not every single throw is perfect but that's the difference i mean that's i think that's what frustrates georgia fans is because they think that they could be elevated so much by having a killer quarterback and they it seems like they get one every well, year but they just Well doesn't every play. other
0: every other position on the roster is just you know blue mm-hmm. chip and like you have i was talking in the last episode about how rivals does the like overall team composite like talent rankings Mm -hmm. or whatever it's called and you have alabama at one and georgia at two so clearly they're like right there it's just they've just this quarterback you know headache has kind of (laughs) been their achilles heel over the past few years and i know that they wonder what could have been if they had gone with fields at some point sooner than than he decided to transfer but i don't know i mean i think it's fascinating i mean they obviously really want to stick with bennett because i thought i mean i know daniels has been dealing with the injury on and off all year but i would have thought that and i'm you know it's it's just a weird situation because i i thought they would have played around with swapping the quarterbacks in and out a little bit more like down the stretch than i guess they have but also like like the, until the Alabama game, they've never been in a close game all year, including the Michigan game. So, yeah. you know, Bennett's been like totally fine at just kind of doing the game manager thing and dishing it out to Bowers and everything when when the defense is rolling and they can run the ball. But, you know, what what happens? And, you know, I don't think that we'll be able to jump on them on Monday, like we were able to last month, Mm -hmm. but you know, what happens if it's the third quarter and we're up by like 10 to 14 and then, you know, they're going to start showing JT Daniels on the sidelines, every other play. And it's like, you know, I mean, at what point do you have to, do you have to just shoot your shot and maybe he comes in and he's not what everyone is hoping, or, you know, maybe he's like you said, it's just, if Alabama gets, gets up a couple scores in the second half, then, um, you know, he hasn't really proven that he can be that guy to, to take you back, especially on a, on a huge stage like that. But, you know, we have to get up a couple scores in the first place for that to even be a problem. Maybe he comes out and just plays like a clean sound, good game. And that's totally possible too. So Mm
1: -hmm. I don't know. The dream script for them, obviously, is they run the ball and they average five or six yards a carry, and that opens up what they can do on offense. Takes it off his shoulders. And they've they've had – that's what they've done all year. I mean, that's what they've done in every single game except for one, and they lost the one game. They couldn't do it, Mm -hmm. which was – I mean, Alabama is – all of Alabama's defensive mistakes are, to me, purely – communication mistakes and purely guys not being in the right place um because those i mean that i just am really high on this group of guys on defense and i'm really high on the way that they've improved throughout the year which i know is not like what most alabama fans are thinking because they really
0: have and like like last year too and everyone loves to Mm -hmm. you know jump on golding and everything and I get it. But I mean, both teams down the stretch or both defenses down the stretch really have, you know, because Ohio State like scared the shit out of me after like what they did to Clemson in the semifinal last year. And then our defense played really well. And I think only gave up like 24 points and it didn't even feel like that many. And then, you know, I mean, like you said, with the kind of ebbs and flows of our two different units kind of picking each other up when the other one's down. It's like the Auburn game, obviously not that they had a great offense with Finley behind the behind center, but they've, they've come through and we've needed it to needed them to most. And I mean, you Mm -hmm. know, damn, they didn't even give up a single touchdown in the semifinal game. So it's hard to hard to gripe too much when, when you put
1: up numbers like that. Yeah. I mean, I like, there's obviously something I'm not like the biggest Pete Golding fan in the entire world. Um, But I will say um, there's, and there seems to be some sort of like, maybe things are too complicated at times, or maybe something that he's teaching them is not necessarily clicking um, in certain aspects. Um, And, but I will say it is really 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 hard to one play defense in the current era of college football with the way the rules are set up i mean the rules completely favor offenses these days you can block 3 yards downfield and still throw the ball like how how are you supposed to def- i don't that would kill me if i was in <laughs> charge of leading a defense i mean and just the way just the way that the game is set up great offenses are going to score no matter what. And I think that's even been the case in past years. Everybody talks about Pruitt all the time and how great he was, which he did a really good job with Alabama's defense, but he, he had a little bit more chips at his disposal, or yeah. Like he had more guys that I think he could play around with than Golding does. And the guys, the two, the guys that they had in the middle when he was the coach there, I mean, are two of our two or three or four of the literal best athletic middle linebackers. I mean, Rashawn Evans spent his first two years rushing the passer and then they (laughs) played a middle linebacker. I mean, you just, and then Reuben Foster obviously is one of the best, I think one of the best college linebackers of all time. Um, and, but still, in certain games, I mean, Ole Miss scored 43 on us that year. Clemson scored a billion on us, you know, that year. Um, the next year, obviously, they killed everybody on, on, uh, on defense. But Golding, to me, and the way that this defense has played this year, is really impressive with the current rules of college football and the fact that they've had some guys along the line that don't make as much of an impact from an interior standpoint but the guys that they do have who are good are so good that it is ridiculous like i mean because will anderson obviously is i think is one of the best college football players of all time in my opinion um and then Fidarian mathis is like literally a grown man. I think is that he's a huge like year? he's like barely even younger than me and you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he still plays. Um but like you said just from a defensive standpoint Golding I think has done a good job. I think he may do a I think his problem from what I've heard I have no idea none nobody who watches the games has any idea what the problem is. Um and like so from a communication standpoint, I think that's obviously like the defense's biggest problem maybe, but they've looked really, really good. Um, and all the, I mean, they lose to LSU, they lose to Auburn, those two games specifically if the defense doesn't play well, I mean, they just just flat out lose those games. Like, um, and so, like we were talking about this defense I think is the best defense I think it's even better than Michigan's that Georgia will see of year particularly at stopping the run this defense is the best that they'll see all year at stopping the run and that's why it was such a problem in the first game is because they stopped the run Alabama stopped the run made him throw the ball and even when he was throwing the ball well particularly late in the game You know, they were down by so much. And I'm not sure how much Georgia has, unless Pickens is on, which I think he's the most talented receiver they've had since Green played there. But if he's, you know, George Pickens, George Pickens, then this is a different statement. But I don't know if they've got the big home run guys where you go out there and you say, we're down 14 in the fourth quarter. We need to score quick, kind of thing yeah yeah his health
0: you know that's gonna be that's gonna be huge just like no Mechie on our side whether he's able to actually go for four quarters feel like you know it could definitely make or break something for their offense especially down the
1: stretch yeah that was kind of a big a big rant uh, (laughs) about the golding (laughs) the golding stuff because it's just so ridiculous like there's just so much nuance. I mean, I just can't imagine calling a defense like the way college football is set up now and everything's past interference now too. Yeah. And you have to get, there's targeting penalties on balls that are 10 yards out of bounds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's just really hard to play. It's really hard to play defense at that level of talent or like level of talent that Alabama faces week in and week out. And teams that play alabama face weekend and weekend i mean even georgia i mean think about that like this is one of the biggest and greatest collection of 20 to 22 year old defensive talent we've seen in a while particularly at the front seven and alabama scored 40 points on them i mean yeah. so it's like it's like most and of that George... came in like less than a 15 minute stretch man. yeah exactly And it's just really hard to play defense. So that's why it fires. I don't know. It's like. It's really hard to play defense. And so that's why it's been impressive what Georgia I think has done all year, but they haven't faced, you know, high octane fast offenses with, you know, great quarterbacks who were you know, throwing the ball over the field and our dynamic, which, you know, obviously there's like three teams in the whole country that are like that. Um, So, yeah, like you said, I mean, Georgia, if they run the ball in this game, I think they win, like, because they'll just be able to do whatever they want on offense if they're able to run the ball for six or seven yards of carry. I'm not really sure that they can do that, though. I think that's a really underrated aspect of this game. Everybody's going to talk about Alabama's offense versus Georgia's defense, and with good reason, but that's a really, really crucial part of this game is Georgia establishing the run and what yeah. they can do. And then we could talk about all this, and they Stetson could come out and throw for 450, you know, or and something the crazy Garcia like again. that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it, I think what both teams have done this year has been extremely impressive. I think from an Alabama standpoint, obviously I focus on them more because I went to school there and I've rooted for them my entire life. What they've been able to do, I think, um, with like all the concerns and maybe guys not necessarily panning out and like them not having like a ton of experience and the injuries thing is crazy this year to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, the guy who led them in tackles for loss last year was not Will Anderson. It was Chris Allen, and he's played three quarters this year. Yep. They have two running backs, you know, their best or second best receiver is hurt. Now their guards hurt, their tackles hurt. I mean, it's just it's just wild what and it's annoying to college football fans to say this, too, but it is wild the kind of because Alabama all the time manufactures their own adversity where they don't actually encounter adversity but they make it up for themselves because there's nothing else to motivate them but it is pretty impressive that it's like every injury you're like oh that's the one like that's the one that's gonna fuck with them I
0: alive. was saying that in the Miami game <laughs> once, yeah. once Alan and then Toa Toa went down mm-hmm. which was obviously like minor but it wasn't really clear that it was minor at the time and I was like well there goes the season it was fun while well, it lasted down year whatever we'll, we'll get him yeah. back in 2022 and that was in like mm-hmm. the second half of the Miami game when we were up by like five scores
1: or whatever so I'm I'm as guilty of that as anybody <laughs> yeah um but I think it is impressive just from like a if you just remove like all of the stupid Cause it is ridiculous to talk about a team that brings in so much talent as overcoming adversity and like, and stuff like that. But um, it is impressive to see. I mean, it is impressive just from a program building standpoint that a team like that, this team that's so inexperienced and like, you know, replacing all of their production from last year and dealing with injuries and they've struggled and, in games that they shouldn't struggle with and now they're just in the national championship it's like holy crap like i'm sure that's annoying as fuck for like people who (laughs) don't root for them to be like oh they're just like they've like played like shit i mean they lost it's literally a a down here yeah i mean it it, it's like i'm sure that's really frustrating and i'm sure it's frustrating for them to sit here and talk about like hear us to be like This team has overcome so much and like all that kind of shit. But it is, it is impressive from a talent accumulation standpoint (laughs) that a team like this can have two scholarship running backs and win a semifinal game by 21 points. Yeah. I mean, I was, that's impressive.
0: I was looking (laughs) at a mock draft today. Um, since now it's becoming a little more clear with, you know, at least like the top picks um getting more or less locked into locked into their positions now mm-hmm. and obviously Evan Neal and then Jameson and those mm-hmm. might have been the only two Bama guys that I saw um in this mock draft there could have been a third I forget but whether it was two or three I was like damn that's it like because like yeah. the past few years it's been like six players yeah. you know and like maybe people like mock drafts might have us projected for more it's like damn we get like everybody back next year for like the first time ever outside of like you know evan <laughs> neal obviously gonna be hard, hard to replace but yeah i know what you mean The 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 way that they can just re-up and reload and especially just seeing like the super young raw talent step in, in some of the most crucial points of Mm -hmm. the season, like we saw in the iron bowl and like we've seen in years past is always really, really impressive. And just how, you know, I mean, Bryce, like I know he had all of last year to learn under Mac and Sark and be, you know, involved with that historically good offense, but Mm -hmm. just the way that he can come in and, he has the composure of like a 10 year NFL veteran and he's like 19 or 20
1: or whatever. It's just, it's, it is, it is hard to,
0: hard to fathom, but that's That's about the
1: difference though. Right. I mean, because yeah, I mean, that's, that's the stuff that they've gotten down to science is getting the guys in the offseason ready to play. Um, The injuries thing to me is more impressive. That is like just a, we just know that's going to happen. Like we just know they're going to be good every year. We know. I mean, they're averaging 12 and a half wins I think in the last decade. I saw that. And you're only yeah. guaranteed to play 12. 12. Games. I saw so, that on Twitter today. Yeah, like you you expect that every year out of them. What is impressive though, it's more impressive to see guys go down with injuries and they're like, you know, it helps obviously to have the level of talent that they're pulling from. But the guy it seems like even when those guys come in, they're making It's not like they're just like doing a serviceable job. They're coming in and like winning games and like playing super well. Yeah. Um, So obviously that's why Alabama is so good every year is because they've gotten so good at recruiting years in advance and they've gotten so good at getting those guys ready to play and recruiting the right players and, and everything. And Georgia obviously has done a great job of that on the defensive side of the ball and on the line, on the offensive line too. Um, and you've seen the juxtaposition of that with Clemson, which is none of those guys this year were ready to play. I mean, mm-hmm. they, I mean, especially on the line. I mean, they were so bad on the line. They've chosen to ignore the portal and yeah. finally yeah. came back and bit them in the ass. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Alabama, um, that's the difference to me is that the guys are ready to play. They're adaptable. There's that whole next man up bullshit cliche that people throw. But it is true. I mean, those guys are—they're always ready to come in and play. Um, so, yeah, like you said, I mean, they—they they reloaded this year and they've got a lot of talent. No matter what happens on Monday, they've got a lot of talent coming back outside of like you said, Jameson, Evan Neal, and I think Jordan Battle will go too. Um, yeah, maybe he was the third. Yeah, yeah. and fight—they'll lose fight Arian Mathis too. But the fact that they've got. Young and Anderson coming back is like Jesus, that that's enough for everybody else. <laughs> yeah, it <well>, really sucks.
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> about all I got, question wise, <laughs> other than a
1: score prediction. If you're if you have God. one yet, oh man, I have no idea. I'll just throw, I mean, since I'm an Alabama fan, I'll pick them to win. Um, and I'll go, I'll go. 3430. That's what I'll
0: do. 3430, so that's Bama and the over. I'm yeah. having a hard time like I think both teams are going to have to pass cuz I think both defenses will try to shut down the run, you mm-hmm. know, before anything else, but I don't know. I I go back and forth on the scores and whether I think it's going to be like a higher or lower scoring game or anything, but for now i uh I've got georgia winning twenty eight to three so yeah okay. <laughs> um i'm just honored say- I'm just honored to be able to share the field with this elite <laughs> elite defense and coaching staff and group of talent twice in a single season so I would just like <laughs> to be the first to congratulate them on um
1: finally finally getting the first
0: national championship since nineteen eighty
1: <laughs> yeah even if they win it's like we could just be annoying as shit and be like, oh, finally, like this was our down year. Yeah, like, exactly. All that exactly. stupid shit yeah. that everybody
0: hates. No, the, <laughs> yeah, the last little thing I had, if uh, if Alabama does win, then I'm definitely running with the uh, the narrative that the Braves probably just stole the only championship from the whole state <laughs> yeah. of Georgia for the next like quarter century. So maybe they can, uh, hopefully they all enjoyed the Braves
1: winning back in October, but the pressure is on them i think i mean if they don't win now this it is. one in the sec fucked. game it was
0: on us cuz that <laughs> i mean that was like every game yeah. since we lost in college station has essentially been a playoff game for us cuz we you know no teams ever made it in with two losses mm-hmm. even though you know if we had only lost to georgia by like a field goal or something that would have been an interesting discussion at least but now that you know even though like we're number 1 but we're the underdog And it's been like we've been like the hot team over the past month, but it's been them for the first 12 weeks of the season Mm -hmm. and even going into the season before it started. While they weren't the like clear outright favorite, it was there was a lot of chatter about this being their year and if not now, then when. So I definitely Mm -hmm. think since they were, you know, had it handed to them in their own state yet again. And, you know, it's supposed to be their year and now it's like if they lose to us in a down year and they lose all this defensive talent, like then what? So I, yeah. I definitely agree with you on that. And I love the, the thought of them having the pressure on in
1: a close game in the second second half. Yeah, it's I mean, this is this is a huge, huge, huge game for them. I don't think it's as big of a deal. I know it's crazy to say for us, I think it's huge for them because if they can't beat this Alabama team one time when getting to play them twice um, with the way that they've played all year and the confidence that they've had, they're going to have to do something different and maybe it'll just be quarterback play. If they don't win this game, they're their. Final, <laughs> they, one of their I mean, it could be just quarterback and <laughs> next year they get a good quarterback and they play super well on offense, but it, it would be if I was a Georgia fan and this year we watched the way that if I was a Georgia fan, I watched the way my team played and I watched the way Alabama played. And then at the end of the year, we lost two out of three games overall and two of them to Alabama. I mean, I don't know if I'd leave the house for like three months. That would (laughs) fucking suck. (laughs) So, I mean, If they win, then they win. And that's a huge accomplishment for their program. I mean, I really don't like their fan base, obviously. I have a lot of respect for Kirby Smart. Um, It pissed me off what he did when he left Alabama. But obviously, he's a good coach and a great recruiter. And the the guys there love playing for him, obviously. But if they don't win this game, that's (laughs) it does feel to me, and I don't have my finger on the pulse of, The nation of college football or whatever but in my view if they don't win they've got to win this they've got to be alabama in this game to me um because i told i've told people that i know who are my friends who are georgia fans i'm like like this is a bit of hyperbole but i'm like if y'all don't beat it this year you're never beating us like (laughs) like, the amount of chances y'all this is the best chance that they've had to win a national championship and it might I mean they'll they'll be really good and in, in the playoff and playoff contention but unlike Alabama they have a few years where they'll just shit the bed and lose to some s- stupid ass team South two or three stupid yeah. ass teams you know and then I mean they didn't even make the SEC championship last year so Yeah um yeah I think the pressure would be more on them I think Alabama's kind of playing with house money right now considering the season that they've had and already beating Them is a big accomplishment. They've won the conference and everything. Yeah, think I don't think the sky's gonna fall if Alabama lose. From I mean, you never know with Alabama fans. They're all they'll act like it is. is. yeah. Yeah, but to me, if we lose this game, I'm thinking that was a this was a great year for this team. Uh, and what I mean, what we've seen the way that they've played for them to be in the national championship, win the conference. Have a guy win the Heisman. That's all. Those are all massive, massive accomplishments for any program, particularly this one. And it it tells people, it tells recruits too, that even if the t- the team isn't the best, they're still going to make it to the national championship game, which is a huge selling point. So yeah. I do think that the pressure is more on Georgia, but you know, it's whatever
0: they've yeah they've they've exceeded my expectations i mean before the season i was mm-hmm. thinking like you know sec championship i felt like was upside and then mm-hmm. if we could even like get into the playoffs then it would all be house money after that but my national championship pick before the season was Clemson and Oklahoma, so that shows what the yeah. fuck I know. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, it's been a great year, and I'm excited for the game, even if uh, most of the country couldn't give a shit less, you know, mm-hmm. tough. It's it's the two best teams, and we'll see. Georgia if, fans
1: are going to be, I mean, just, if they lose, they're, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be so great. They're going to lose it they got to get the boogeyman <laughs> off their back and but if they win it's going to be the worst thing that's ever happened to
0: me. Too. Yeah, and I was I was thinking about this <laughs> like I'm sure from a national perspective most people are rooting for Georgia just because it's anyone mm-hmm. but us and just to see something different and you know, I get it. But I think a lot of SEC fans and most of the Auburn fans that I know like while they aren't like cheering for either team like maya was describing to me earlier she would like rather us win just because i remember before Mm -hmm. that's how bad of
1: a fan base they are
0: (laughs) well before the yeah before the 2017 game that was like a month after me and maya had started dating Mm -hmm. and i guess that was the first Yeah, that was the first Alabama game she ever watched with me was the 2017 Georgia National Championship. So she got thrown into the deep end on that one. Mm -hmm. But before the game, I remember she showed me a tweet that some Auburn fan had sent out. And it was like, if Alabama wins the national championship tonight, then it's just kind of like, another year of this like same old same old and if yeah. Georgia wins the national championship tonight then grown men will be barking at women and children through the streets of Atlanta for like months to come mm-hmm. and I think that for the for the SEC fan bases that are a little more intimate and familiar even though I know everyone's sick and tired of Alabama and Saban um yeah what's one more you know yeah what's I mean? one more <laughs> would you rather that or your mother get barked at by some old smelly dog so mm-hmm.
1: i mean you know they're so ridiculous too like a couple of weeks ago they were saying they like dismantled college football and all this shit It's like god like <laughs> it's yeah well it's insane
0: we'll see soon enough so thanks for coming on and chatting about the game i
1: appreciate yeah. it man yeah thanks for having me on that was fun glad uh-huh. i could Ramble and rant for a little bit <laughs> oh yeah I appreciate it. I'm
0: really glad we made it because I was
1: wanting to like
0: have you on all season and mm-hmm. at first I was thinking like oh I'll have them on before the Bama LSU game because I wanted to yeah. have you on before a big game where I could just like not do the try not to be biased thing and just yeah. talk about Bama for an hour with you but then like that game we were like a four touchdown favorite or whatever i was like yeah i and there's not a whole lot to say before this even though it wound up being pretty close but so i texted you around then and i was like okay mm-hmm. i'm gonna have you on for the you know playoff or national championship mm-hmm. or whatever but at that point i wasn't thinking we were gonna even make the playoffs i was like shit i hope i can actually have him on this season and not have to wait a whole other yeah. year so i'm glad it worked out but yeah same <laughs>
1: yeah i agree
0: I appreciate the time and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right, brother. Have a good night. Roll Tide. All right. See you. Roll Tide.